Hello and welcome to the Ice Guy, brought to you by the National Hockey Now Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now, Friday, October 28th. It is Ian Cameron, Alex P. Smith, and we've got Nick Martin joining us today as our special guest for this Friday edition of the show, ready to break down the uh, six-game card. Uh, Nick, welcome to the Ice Guys for the first time. Good to have you with us. Yeah, I'm stoked. Thanks for having me on, Al and and Ian. Looks like a good slate. It it absolutely does. So just talk briefly. I mean, how long have you been in sports betting, NHL betting, and what things do you like most to bet when it comes to NHL? So I've been handicapping for about seven years, probably about four where I've taken it quite seriously. Uh, I worked doing personal training mainly. And then when COVID picked up and I lost so many of my hours with that, I started to really getting into handicapping more seriously. And then I reached out to Michael Laboff with Action when I saw they were looking for writers with some samples, ended up coming on board there. And then, yeah, just kind of got a little more involved media wise since that point. All right, good stuff. And uh, I noticed player props are something uh, that you are very acute to betting. So uh, that's very good to see that because player props have become a big talking point more so on this show over the last year or two yeah. as we've gotten more into shots on goal. Goal score props are certainly something I am targeting each and every day. So uh, definitely good opportunities uh, with that. Let's uh, recap last night uh, in the NHL. It was a huge card, uh, lots that took place. Uh, Boston Bruins, I'll tell you, we'll start there because the Brad Marchand story was fantastic and it completely went the opposite way I thought it might. I did think that maybe with Marchand come back, sometimes we see the big star player come back. It actually screws up the chemistry, especially with a team that had been playing winning hockey going into the game with that player returning. But no uh, problem whatsoever with that. No chemistry issues whatsoever for the Boston Bruins last night as they roll to a 5-1 victory over Detroit. And what a return for Brad Marchand, who is just remarkable. You could hate this guy as a fan of another team or someone that doesn't like the Boston Bruins, but you have to respect the way the guy plays the game, and you have to absolutely be beyond impressed with the way, with the fact he's back this quickly from that injury. He was expected to be back at Thanksgiving, late November. That was the initial thought when it came to uh, Brad Marchand returning. And sure enough, he is back a month early. And what's he do? He gets a two-goal game, uh, power play, two power play goals for the uh, Bruins last night, helping them to that 5-1 victory over Detroit. Uh, the Flyers, another chapter added to the Book of Surprises, the October Book of Surprises, as I said, for the Philadelphia Flyers. They did get dominated. It was a great game for Carter Hart. Not so good for goalie Bob. Uh, for the Florida Panthers, but the Flyers find a way. Ugly. I like what Tortorella admitted after the post game. if you happen to hear it. He said, we're not going to be a good metric team, all right? Our numbers aren't going to look very good, but we're just going to, that's the way it's going to be, and we're just going to have to find a way uh, to win hockey games, and he's right, and that's exactly what happened last night uh, in that victory against uh, Florida. Minnesota beats Ottawa, hands the Senators their first loss uh, at home this year, uh, 4-2 to victory there. Montreal takes advantage of a very, very tired Buffalo team. Brutal spot. Brutal that the NHL put them in that spot. One day off after returning home from that West Coast trip, and they lose to Montreal 3-2. Nashville takes advantage of a Blues team on a back-to-back to get off the schneid and back in the win column 6-2. Uh, Dallas shuts out Washington 2-0. Ottinger, again, spectacular. Uh, we had uh, Vancouver getting their first win against Seattle 5-4. 
Way to go, Bruce Boudreaux, 600th win. Love the quote after the game saying, you know, 600th win, Bruce. Uh, how did, is this the way you had it diagrammed? He said, well, I had it diagrammed about eight games ago, but that's pretty funny. Bruce is a, I love Bruce. Say what you will about playoff struggles, yada, yada, yada. The person that he is, the character that he is, yeah. off the charts. You always get that with uh, Bruce Boudreaux, but that was a funny quote. Finally, congrats to him and the Canucks. They get that first win, although with a price. Horrible looking scene at the end. JT Miller, the heart of a lion, blocking that shot. Looks like he fractured something, hurt something, and he might be out for a period of time. That's hate to see that. Just what an effort by him. Fought, he had gotten a fight last night. Same with Tanner Pearson. They could tell Vancouver saying, no more bullshit. We're going to win this hockey game. We're going to finally win. And they did that last night. Jets, what a comeback for them. 6 4 over LA. Hellebuck out dueled uh, quick. That, that was the main storyline there. Edmonton with a wild 6-5 win over Chicago. And even though the Oilers won that game, the Jack Campbell concerns are not going to go away uh, after that game. Uh, they obviously outscored their problems uh, and got the uh, 6-5 win, a wild back-and-forth game. And the Leafs leafed. I mean, we can't even be shocked anymore. Uh, San Jose with a 4-3 win. That's now Toronto with on their resume this year. The first win of the season for the Arizona Coyotes, which they were on the losing end of, and the first home win of the season for the San Jose Sharks, they're on the losing end of it. Two of the consensus worst teams uh, in the National Hockey League. So panic again setting in uh, in Leafs Nation after that result last night. Alex, uh, you weren't with us on the show yesterday. It's certainly great to have you here back with us today. What did you think of last night? Well, I'll start with that Wild and Ottawa game because it was the only bet that I ended up making at the first period over two. Plus 115, it seemed like a great price. Uh, you know, the Wild have been over machine so far, and, and we've talked about Ottawa getting their offense rolling. Even with that score, Mark andre Fleury made a ton of huge saves. That could have easily been a, a 6-5 or 7-6 game. Uh, but kudos to the Wild, you know, locking down defensively late when they needed to, getting another win, and uh, seemingly trying to turn things around after what was a bad start. Speaking of 6-5 games, we have to talk about the Hawks and the Oilers. That game was just absolutely a ton of fun to watch. And this Hawks team, they just don't quit. They're relentless. And, you know, when you have 10, 11 power plays given to you, uh, I think just about any team in this league might score five goals. And then Edmonton was just horrific with some of the penalties. And even the Hawks, I mean, they committed seven of their own. So uh, when you have these two teams playing as well as they are, you know, you still got offensive punch in, in the Hawks with Patrick Kane. He got a goal and two assists. Max Domi scored another goal. Like I said, I, I really like his game, and I really think he might have – uh, found the place to fit long-term with the Chicago organization. But, of course, uh, it's Dreisaitl and McDavid all day long for the Oilers. McDavid with the hat trick. Dreisaitl, we got the game winner with 35 seconds left. And uh, both of those teams moving forward, they definitely cannot afford to give up penalties in bunches like they did uh, in that game. They have to definitely tighten things up. So that's kind of the takeaway from both of those. And then Vancouver, uh, Seattle, I watched a lot of that game. And they said Vancouver, uh, you know, battling through to finally get uh, a win. But I still don't think it's, you know, uh, okay, now everything's fine. Let's get, you know, get back to being a 500 team right away. They still got to climb up uh, out of the hole they put themselves into, and they've got a tough test to have to do it right against Pittsburgh. Yeah, no question uh, about that. And uh, a very entertaining night of hockey. Lots of uh, fascinating uh, games, no doubt. Uh, Nick, uh, how did the night treat you, and what did you think of the action that took place on Thursday? Yeah, it was it was pretty good to me. I did good with goal score props, so – on that side of things, things were, were good. I thought to touch on the wild senators game, it seems like Minnesota are really finding their game. I think I'm relatively low on them compared to the market this year, but it seems the last three outings have been fairly impressive. And I think their team I'm going to be watching moving forward, probably not looking to fade them in the next couple outings. I saw they play Detroit tomorrow. 
And I think that most likely I'll probably end up on them again in that spot. I think you, you touched on it there. Uh, with regards to the Blackhawks, I think one thing I'd chime in on, I'm not sure the offense is going to be sustainable like it is. They're scoring at a, a crazy shooting percentage, well above the expected rates. I'm not convinced they have the talent to do that too much longer. They're going to be better than I thought because I thought they were going to be bottom two teams in the league for sure, and they're already looking like they're going to be well better than that. But I think they are a team that I'll, I'll be watching moving forward that I'm I'm still pretty low on. I think we could see they got some very favorable breaks in that game with the kind of two-way swing on the goalie interference call that disallowed a goal, and then it became the five-on-three moments later after the penalty challenge. So, yeah, that was a great game. But I think the Hawks kind of were were maybe a little lucky to only end up losing by one, and they kind of got their breaks and still weren't able to pay them off, which I think is definitely a negative comment. Yeah, uh, when you look at the Chicago team, they've had no issues scoring goals the last uh, few games. I think on this homestand now, which has been four games long, they've had 24 goals now in these uh, four home games. It's just a six goals per game clip. I mean, you're clearly going to come back down a little bit from that kind of uh, an average. But look, uh, the reason why Chicago is playing well is they've got a collective group stepping up, finding scoring by committee. You know, the defense and the goaltending, which is, I think, still worrisome. It's been at least a little bit better than we thought. And to be honest with you, freaking frack uh, on this hockey team, the two veteran stalwarts, Kane and Taves, they're locked in. You know, yeah. they're, they're right now, they, they are, they're not mailing it in. They're not thinking about the future and the long term that, hey, we may not end our careers here. There may be some a rebuild going on uh, moving forward. But they, right now they are focusing on game by game, being at their best, bringing their best to the ice. And I think because the generals are leading, the troops will follow as Shaquille O'Neal always says, and that's what you're seeing right now. Kane and Taves are locked in right now, and they're trying to help this team win, and they look like they care about wanting to help this team win games early in the season. Yeah, everyone, everyone's buying into the message that Richardson and company are, are, are pushing right now. The only thing is the way that they're playing, and like you said, Nick, you know, they got a, a bunch of fortunate chances that they are uh, still couldn't completely cash in on. But they're also the fact that they are playing at this high of a level. It's given that you know, they're giving everything they got every, night in, night out. You can't give 110% like this every single night and, and expect to win or, or, or at least be competitive. You're going to have those odd off nights. And the fact that they have Alex Stalock, who's been playing well, but he was going to be more of a 1A, 1B option or just a number two option. Now he's been the starter, and they're riding him heavy. they got a back-to-back coming up tomorrow on Sunday uh, on the road in Buffalo and then back home against the, the Wild, the rivalry game. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the in the next, uh, next couple of games with the Hawks. They might – take a bit of a step down look this week. yeah and i think you kind of touched on like the other point that i'd watch for like it's awesome seeing Staylock succeed you know he's a 35 year old journeyman with that said he played to a below 900 save percentage in the ahl last year so yeah this kind of like his his numbers are so strong right now that it's hard to imagine or his underlying numbers are even better because the hawks really still haven't defended very well so right. that's an area where we're probably going to see him come back down to earth. I wouldn't, yeah. I mean, goaltending is hard to predict, but probably shouldn't count on him playing to above average results this year. No, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we still have that belief. And from a word on the street is uh, Alex Stalock is still in the NHL to get his pension. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he's that's, pretty much uh, just trying to clear a certain amount of games, but I think he, he's maybe like five stars away from that or something. But yeah. uh, like I said, but he seems to be locked in and even the quotes from him, and uh, some of the clips I've seen, you know, in the, in the locker room, that he's, he's won the belt that they give out to the player of the game twice. 
And uh, he seems to be buying in. And like I said, you can see this with some of these veteran players throughout the league. If the younger guys are buying into to the, to the mantra that's being uh, thrown around the room, then those veterans kind of get a little bit of a spark of energy, a spark of life too. That's the same thing that's happening with Kane and Taves as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things like it's not necessarily fun to point out. Like this probably isn't going to continue because it's kind of a fun story seeing, you know, a guy like Staylock overplaying expectations on a team that was supposed to be terrible. Yeah. So. We'll see. It's a good story. How long does it go? That's going to be the same with all these Chicago, Philadelphia, you know, all of these teams that have exceeded much uh, greatly exceeded expectations so far this season. How long can they keep this going? Like I I always said, and I said this yesterday, I believe with Chicago and with Philly, I mean, come back to me in three months, you know, and let's see where things are at uh, with these Mm -hmm. teams at that uh, point in time. Uh, All right, let's go to our Friday card. Six games. We're going to start with the slumping, Anaheim Ducks, uh, they're lame. They're lame ducks uh, right now. Taking on the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Vegas minus two eighty home favorites, six and a half the total uh, in this game. We've got the uh, Golden Knights certainly six and two. Been a nice start to the year. Bruce Cassidy's really what I like about what he's done with this group is uh, he's got them playing good defensively, but he's also got the blue liners really joining the rush, making it more of a five man group in terms of their offensive attack. I like that. Uh, and that's uh, what he's been able to incorporate here with the Golden Knights, where they can be aggressive at the uh, opponent's blue line, but not cheat for offense and still be in good defensive posture and, and positioning in their own end. And uh, I la- and obviously Vegas has taken to it quite well. Six and two start and the only losses, Calgary and Colorado. I mean, how can you even fault them for losing those two games? Those are the, yeah, and the avalanche game. Was, my- yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say the avalanche game was a pretty strong effort. I thought, I don't think you're going to fault them. At all for that one, really. I wouldn't. And even in the Calgary game, uh, which was a little bit of a tricky spot for Vegas, they got out to the lead and Calgary came back and won. So that game was right there for the taking. And Calgary and Colorado, one and two in my power ratings right now uh, in the NHL. So to me, that's no problem at all. That That's the two losses Vegas suffered. Uh, Anaheim's just uh, in a bad way. Six straight losses. That road trip was a disaster. They really honestly could be 0-7 right now if they didn't have that comeback in the third period against the Seattle Kraken uh, in their first game of the season to come back and win that game 5-4. Obviously, keeping the puck out of the net's been a big-time problem for this hockey team. They've given up 4-7-6-4-5-4 in six of their seven games. The only game they gave up fewer uh, than four goals in a game was that uh, Boston game where they lost two to one in a shootout. So it's been really tough for Gibson and Stolt. Gibson in particular, I I took a shot with this guy, maybe Vesna, to bounce back and it's not happened so far for him uh with the uh, ducks now has the defensive play been great in front of him no but still there's been all kinds of issues we don't have goalies confirmed yet for this game by the way just gibson and thompson projected uh for this game it's probably going to end up being a pass here side uh, and total uh i'm I, as much as i think and and i've got actually vegas only minus 240 uh, in this game so and i was high on anaheim coming into this season i took them over their season point total so I don't want to abandon ship completely. The way I've got this game lined and price tells me there's a little bit of value on the Ducks here in this spot, especially when you think of Vegas playing the teams they've played uh, lately here, uh, Toronto, Colorado, Winnipeg, Calgary. You know, they've run the gauntlet. They've played some big games, some big-time teams. Do you worry about a little bit of a you know 3 p.m. local time start here in Vegas, by the way? It's an earlier game. Is it going to be a little bit of a more of a flat environment? I mean, I don't hate even Anaheim first period, maybe taking a Vegas by surprise in this game early, but for the course of 60 minutes, 
We know who the better team is. We certainly know who the better defensive team is. It's hard to overcome that right now with the struggles if you're Anaheim. So I, I mildly lean to an Anaheim first period full game shocking money line split, but I don't know if I'll do anything but maybe put a couple of bucks on that. Nothing of significance, but I do see value in the numbers here with Anaheim a little bit, even though they've been god-awful. Alex, what are you thinking here, Anaheim, Vegas? Last night I was able to grab six over minus $1.20. Uh, I still see one six floating around, but mostly six and a half is even money. I love this game over. And here's the thing. Today is Nevada Day. This is where they celebrate uh, the state being admitted to the union and being part of the United States. Uh, it's been yeah. going on for years. And every year that they've played this game. They played an annual home game at the 6, 3 p.m. Yeah. local. Yes. And, right. And, and every yeah, yeah. game has been a complete yeah. sellout. It's been absolutely crazy. And the games have flown over. Uh, the first year, 7 nothing win uh, against Colorado. The next year, 4-3 overtime win against Ottawa. Uh, of course, there was the pandemic year. They didn't have a crowd. And the season started late, so they didn't have it that year. Another game they had, 6-1 loss to uh, Colorado went flew way over the total that was on, at six. And uh, last year against Anaheim, 5-4 in a shootout. So we've seen nothing but overs in this Nevada Day spot. Uh, like I said, Anaheim's defense has been playing poorly, and I think Vegas can kind of get into that transition rhythm with Anaheim and trade some scores back and forth. So I like it's over six and a half. All right. You know what? I might add that myself after you gave those numbers about just how wild the games have been here. And we know Anaheim. See, it's tricky with the total because Vegas kind of an under team. We know Anaheim's more of an over team with the way they can score with Terry Zegras. Comtois now on the, by the way, top line. We've got a player elevated to the top line. Maxime Comtois for the Ducks. I like those situations from a prop standpoint. So maybe a little sprinkle on a Max Comtois gold prop here. You know, we like, like those situations and those bargain bin prices. So, but yeah, the over now that you say it with the series history, we could see it. Maybe Vegas is a little lax defensively here, coming back home facing what they think is a layup against a weaker opponent. Nick, what do you like here, Anaheim Vegas? I see your points with the Ducks. I think their that road trip was obviously a disaster. Every game was, I mean, really the whole season. Like I think this could be a good spot where maybe they stabilize after some time off, getting ready to go. But yeah, from the very first game, that crack and outing was ugly. They got completely dominated. And I think it's that's kind of been the consistent rate. I lean ducks, like you say, with the numbers. I can definitely see the merit with the over. Personally, my plays, I went in on Jack Eichel. I'm sure he'll be kind of chalky in this spot, but I can see the narrative. I, I really like how he's been playing. He's had kind of a quieter back uh, last two games stats-wise. So I think it's a good time just to jump back in. I went in on over three and a half shots as close to plus money and any time goal scorer was around plus 140 as well. So I think it's a good spot for him to just dominate. I don't really see what line the Ducks are putting on him that I'm uh, I'm worried about. So I think it's a good spot to just go in with a chalky uh, player prop. I like Eichel. I think he's going to have a massive season. So I think it's a good spot to get back on that horse. Hey, it's not chalky if it cashes. Uh, that's the way you got to look at it. Uh, and uh, so liking some Jack Eichel props here, goal prop, shots on goal prop as well for Nick with the Ducks and the uh, Golden Knights. All right, next game on this Friday slate, Islanders and Hurricanes. We've got Carolina minus 185, home favorites here, five and a half, the total in this one. So I'm not going to have much involvement here sidewise or total-wise in this game. It's certainly a dubious spot for the Hurricanes returning home off that uh, Western road trip through Western Canada and Seattle. Uh, they also played a game out there as well uh, and now returning home. And we know those aren't always the best bet on situations uh, for teams. I still think they're the better team here than the Islanders, though. So I won't be going against Carolina either. 
uh, in this situation, but certainly not going to lay a price with the Hurricanes in a spot like this returning home. I just don't have enough confidence in the Islanders because you look at this team so far this year, you guys, they beat Anaheim, they beat San Jose. Both of those came at home. And to me, I know the Rangers win on paper looks good. Rangers are a pretty good hockey team, but took advantage of an advantageous situation where you had the Rangers off the big showdown on ESPN uh, on Tuesday night against Colorado. Everyone hyped that up to be a potential Stanley Cup final preview. It was a high pace, high intensity game. If you watch that Avalanche Rangers game, and Alex and I, we did the bet, bet cast that night, our first one of the year, that was a very high energy game, high event game. You know, 40 shots, I think, for both teams in that game. The goalies had to be good, Georgiev uh, and Shesterkin. Uh, in that game and you come back the very next night you have to play an Islanders team that kind of wants to grind you into the ice Uh, and that's exactly what we saw the Rangers just didn't have a lot uh, going for them that game and the Islanders took advantage of that I don't want to give the Islanders too too much credit for that victory against the uh, Rangers this is still a team that at times has struggles to score goals to be honest under Lane Lambert as well even though he's a disciple uh, of Barry Trotz comes from that coaching tree assistant coach with him for years I don't know if this Islander team has played that same level of great defense consistently uh, throughout the uh, course of the year better than the last two games against uh, uh, the Florida and certainly the shutout against the uh, uh, Rangers but let's also keep in mind they still gave up 41 shots and they needed Ilya Sorokin to be absolutely outstanding in net he will be in net by the way tonight uh, for the Islanders in this game and it'll be Frederick Anderson uh, for uh, Carolina. I don't have a strong feel here sidewise or totals-wise. Carolina, certainly I've mentioned Seth Jarvis and Marty Natchez many times that they are the prop players for the Hurricanes that I usually like to target. I swung and missed with this guy for the Islanders on Wednesday Wallstrom. night because I thought it was a great situate Wallstrom. Yeah, same. I think the, a lot, York, yeah. the logic was there, but... Yeah, and that's yeah. the way it's gonna. That's the way it's gonna be sometimes. Where you see the guys moving up to the top line. He had already had three goals this year, uh, going into that game Wednesday night. He was gonna be playing with Barzell and Bailey uh, on that top line, and he just didn't make the impact I thought. He was actually very quiet uh, in that hockey game for the uh, New York Islanders. But he, I think, from the looks of things at Morning Skate and the recent line combos, which you can use, I use RotoWire.com. I use. Uh, dailyfaceoff.com. Those are good sites for the up-to-date line combinations. They are going to keep Wallstrom, it looks like, on that top line tonight going into the game against Carolina. So I'd fire right back with his goal prop at a healthy plus 375. You know, in that range, if you shop around, you could get that for him to score a goal. Uh, I don't think you abandoned ship uh, on that thought process after one game. He'll be playing with Bailey and Barzell again. So Oliver Wallstrom, uh, New York Islanders here. Uh, at that plus 375 to score a goal. That's what I like most, honestly, of anything in this particular uh, hockey game. Alex, what are you thinking here? New York Islanders, Carolina Hurricanes. Just to lean the Carolina regulation, I mean, just a very strong history. 11 of the last 12 meetings uh, they've won against the Islanders, including five of the last six uh, in Raleigh. Finally getting back home after a bit of a long road trip, though. So that's the one that kind of worries me. Maybe look at Carolina – Live, if you maybe Islanders could take a, a, a early one nothing lead, you can get a better price on Carolina uh, plus money, and not even have to worry about regulation. So that might be the the spot I kind of go with. There's other spots I like on the board, so to pass for now, I might do something in game. All right, good stuff. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Islanders Canes. I agree with the the Wallstrom take. Like I'm going to be tempted if the numbers hold to get on them a lot. It is a little scary versus Carolina. They don't give up many shots. They don't give up much offense altogether. So that's kind of scary. The other thing that can be a bit of a piss off with it is he's on the top line, but we can, we've seen Lambert 
and the Islander, like dating back to trots, like you say, Lambert seems to be kind of hanging around the same idea with he doesn't care who he uses. You're not going to get, you know, top line minutes on any given night. You might see Clutterbuck and Sezika skate more than Barzell and Wallstrom. And I think personally, I'm not high on that. It looks great when you win 3-0, but you should just play your best players and try to attack more of the game. But I think those help kind of on rolling all four lines. Yes. Yeah, so exactly. And like yeah. at some point, whether you're leading or not, you don't need to play not to lose. And I think it looks like they're kind of falling into that same narrative that we saw under trots. And yeah, I thought that was Wallstrom didn't have a great game the other night. I didn't really think he got a good chance to get into it. He looked a little quiet. So that's kind of a bit of a scary thing for me, but I definitely agree. Like his goal prop, I think if he hangs in that spot at that number is going to be really valuable. I don't know if I see tonight as like my favorite time to attack it, but who knows, maybe he breaks through with like the five shots we all expected the other night and a goal and then and the numbers aren't going to be what they were. So yeah, I can definitely respect that take that Wallstrom could bounce back tonight. Yeah, hopefully, hoping it does. But as you stated, we're talking about Carolina, third in the league, 2.3 goals per game. Third in the league, shots, 25.8 shots on goal per game. Talking about a pretty damn good defensive hockey team. So uh, it's not a given that we're going to see Wallstrom have the bust out, breakout performance here. Uh, that he did not have playing on the top line the other night against the Rangers, but at the price given, worth a look. Colorado, New Jersey. We've got uh, Colorado minus 125 road favorites, six and a half the total. I get it that it's not an half spot. No question. I mean, they're off the Ranger game. Uh, they're playing New Jersey. New Jersey is playing a little bit better. They've won four of their last five games. Remember, they were wanting Lindy Ruff fired uh, in the arena uh, about a week ago. Uh, that's kind of cooled down a little bit, but they've won some games now. Uh, but I think, look, I think New Jersey, believe it or not, might actually be a team I'm looking to back. I don't know about tonight, though, because I get why they pushed the line down toward New Jersey. You look at Colorado, they're off the Ranger game. You look at the fact that Big Val uh, is not going to play for them tonight, Valerie uh, who's been the leading goal scorer so far this year uh, for the Avs. Uh, that's a significant loss, uh, obviously, with how well he's played. Uh, you can sustain the loss, though, with, you know, you've got Lekin and McKinnon, Ranton, and still a capable uh, second line, or top line, rather. New hook, Rodriguez has actually, I thought, played well. And they're going to give, you always wonder now, we know Natushkin slotted in on that second line this year for the Avs. And here's a possible Ian Cameron player prop opportunity. We love it when we get the players moving up the lineup, being elevated uh, to, you know, a top line or a second line role. Uh, because they're not going to be accounted for that in the betting markets and the prices, uh, and you can take advantage. And that would be Martin Kaut here for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. It looks like he is going to be the player uh, moving up to the play in the second line tonight for the uh, Avs uh, against the uh, New Jersey Devils. Uh, again, he's been quiet. He's talking about a guy that's given got, got not much ice time. You look at it, four minutes, six minutes, five minutes. That's it. For him the last three games but you think that number is going to go up significantly here uh in this game he's playing with obviously uh rodriguez and Newhook on that uh second line it's it's not a bad option here to just sprinkle i mean you don't have to go uh with a big significant wagering amount here and i wouldn't but i think it's worth at least a few bucks here to look at a player like uh, martin Cout here in the goal market because you can get plus 400 points bet among other places for him to get a goal i mean you're talking about a second line player now going to be up there and plus 400. Those are the kind of bargain bin player prop situations that I love. And if you follow me on Twitter at Bobano, and you'll notice yesterday, I posted the four key factors to finding goal scorer player prop value. Look, if you if you can bet your Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and 
Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and the goal props for them, minus 120 or plus 120, plus 140 if you like. And a lot of times they're going to hit because, look, they're elite players, uh, of course. But for me, long term, I want the bargain bin. You know, I want the good prices. I want these advantageous situations where you can find legitimate value situations and legitimate value prices. And to me, the four factors and four categories, four situations you could really capitalize on are what I mentioned on Twitter. One, the streaking goal score, the one that scored, you know, multiple games in a row, but it's not being accounted for in their current goal score prop price. You know, and you can find like Pinto for the Ottawa Senators. Now, he finally didn't score last night, but he had scored in five straight games, and he was like plus 350 to plus 400 in all these games to score a goal, and he's uh, making an impact. So that's a situation that's advantageous. The second one is the player that's uh, moving up the lineup to either the top line or the second line, where you know you have examples all the time where the other line mates are like plus 140 to score a goal, and this guy who's playing on that same line, either the top line or the second line, he's plus 350, 400. It's insane. It's great value to take advantage of. Players facing their former team are always worth a look. I think you get some value there. They're always up for it. And the fourth category is a player that's been benched or scratched recently, and they return to the lineup, and especially if they return to a top six forward role where you can all of a sudden pounce on a terrific price on them to score a goal. So those are the situations that I build my value looks for goal scorer props around. So make sure you remember them the four factors, if you will, uh, and you'll be able to find some great situations. They won't always cash for you, but you don't need them to always cash. You cash like 30, 35% of them even. You're going to make good money because you're getting 350, 400, and sometimes even more than that with those goal score props. So in this game, I like the over. I'm going to stay away from a side. I do think Banachek and goal is going to be a better thing for the Devils moving forward. I think he's the better option. He played well against Detroit. It is going to be tougher, though, against Colorado, though, in that offense. And I think the Devils can do some damage against Fransos, who's going to be a net tonight for the Avs. And Fransos has struggled in his two starts. 0-2, goals against way above four, save percentage way below 900. So this looks like a game that sets up to have some goals in it. Even with the absence of Big Bell, I'm going to go over the number here, six and a half. Uh, Alex, Avalanche and Devils. Yeah, I'm leaning with the over too, but I like this team total over a bit more. I got the abs three and a half, laying a dollar fifteen. Uh, I think yeah, with Nutrition being out of the lineup, I think there will be some guys that will step up. Uh, Evan Rodriguez is a guy I would look at for any time goal scorer. He's got a couple already on the year, and uh, you know, like I said, this is a team that's loaded with depth. We've seen this before. When other key guys were out for Colorado, you saw those other uh, second and third liners uh, step up and, and chip in offensively. Uh, so I, I'm not too worried about that. And I figured Francois would get the start here because tomorrow night they're playing the New York Islanders. Yorgiev has a great record against the Isles. So uh, I'd like to see the Devils, you know, maybe come out and pull this winner up with a 5-4 win, a 6-4 win. I still catch my team total. And then maybe it gives me a better value to bet on Colorado tomorrow night uh, when they play at Long Island. We go. Yeah, exactly. Just to confirm, as someone asking in the chat, is he really out? Yep. No Nachushkin tonight for uh, Colorado. That is confirmed. Uh, Nick, what do you like in here? Colorado, New Jersey. Yeah, I had written an article yesterday with action on the over. I'm pretty high on it. I think you guys were all seeing eye to eye there. I actually was fairly high on the Devils as a side when they were listed around plus 125. However, like you say, the Nachushkin announcement, it swung the line more than it should, in my opinion. I don't know. A portion of that's probably the Fransu's announcement as well. But either way, I don't think either of those should actually move the needle as much as it has. So 
I preferred the Devils at the earlier number. They're definitely my lean where, where I see some more value. They played really, really good hockey right now. I think if you've watched the last couple outings, it's been really dominant, like outside of some shaky goaltending. The Capitals outing being 6-3 was kind of ridiculous. Um, I, I, yeah, I think the Devils are probably the more valuable side here, but we'll see if there's one knock on them. They've had an extremely easy slate so far. The only playoff-bound team, well, it might not be a playoff-bound team. I'm a Caps fan, and, and they honestly look like they might not get there. So that would be the only team that looks like they're going to go to the playoffs. So that's a very easy slate. But with that said, the Devils, they played the top expected goals right in the league. I think it's looked really impressive to the eye as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I see more value with them as a side, but the numbers kind of move a ton considering we're just looking at two player absences. I agree. I mean, I, th- I thought like to, na- to me, this is not the price I'm looking to go against Colorado. This is still the superior hockey team uh, in this matchup is Colorado and minus 125. It doesn't seem like that's uh, 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 much of a, uh, uh, a bargain to go against Colorado. Uh, if you'll still like New Jersey at this current price. It's funny you mentioned being a Capitals fan. Good time. We'll, we'll hit we'll, we'll hit on that just for a second and t- talk about them for briefly, because I know I've mentioned it and Alex has mentioned it as well. Don't they look a little disjointed? slow passes aren't clicking like the offense is just not flu i mean we've seen this beautiful picasso rembrandt like offensive creativity and puck movement players not being stationary and just great flow and synchronicity one first line through the fourth line with this team blue line transitioning the offense and rush ahead and we're not seeing any of that shit this year with the uh, washington capitals it's been pretty shocking and that was that was not really a great game at all for them last night offensively at all jake ottinger had something to do with it. he's certainly a great young goalie but yeah issues with washington how do you see it nick yeah they look they look flat i still think they're better than they're showing right now the connor brown injury stock there he's obviously brought in to replace wilson on that top right line or the top right wing spot he's injured now so that short-term solution is already out the window john carlson looks terrible he was horrendous last night i think he probably was lucky he didn't get dashed up three times so for the time being it it looks pretty bad i think they're a little better than i'll definitely be watching to see if they can trend up moving forward i thought they were better than people were expecting heading into the year i'm still hopeful that maybe that's true i think their plays driven out of the back end a lot more than people think with guys like orlov and jensen kind of underrated but we'll see for the time being it's like they i thought they were lucky to beat to even have the record they had heading into that game last night. The Devils win was pretty ugly. The Canadians win was one good period, really, versus a bad team on a back-to-back. Yeah. Like, I just think there's it hasn't been impressive at all. So we'll see. Hopefully they'll trend up. But No, it has not been, and that's a good foreshadowing for uh, tomorrow. Whereas anti-Nashville, as I've been this year, you know, you struggle, you struggle, you struggle, and you finally win a hockey game, and Maybe that can propel you. And uh, Washington's not a world beater right now, so that's a little foreshadowing for Saturday when we're back with you tomorrow on the Ice Guys show again. But, uh, yeah, Alex, you you basically had the same sentiment, right? It just doesn't look like a Washington team that can keep up with certain teams right now compared to back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and and it's interesting. Like I said, we talk about, you know, how everything's surrounding Ovechkin now. And with, you know, Wilson being out, Baxter being out, you know, they're focused on on, on locking him down. But the other guys around – you know, they have these moments where they just, like I said, just don't have the creativity offensively, don't have the speed, 
you know, and you can't expect Garnet Hathaway to, to fill in those uh, gaps where Backstrom and, and Wilson are, are missing. You know, he's a good player, but he's not going to be that number two guy uh, in your forward group. He's not the guy you want to rely on to give you a goal at night. And so, you know, they've got to just as a collective whole get a little bit faster, a little bit sharper. And I don't know if they can do that right away. It'll be interesting to see if Washington can uh, turn things around. Speaking of turning things around, can the Columbus Blue Jackets turn things around? That was a debacle earlier this week, losing at home and really being outclassed by the Arizona Coyotes. Don't be fooled by that flattering final score. It was 5 nothing at one point in that game in favor of the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Uh, they ended up losing Columbus 6-3, but they've had two days off since that uh, horrible game at home. Can they bounce back here against one of the hottest teams, one of the best teams here in the first month of the season in the NHL, the Boston Bruins. We've got Boston minus 145 road favorites, six and a half the total uh, in this game. Look, it ain't easy to make a case to go in front of Boston right now. Uh, six and one start. Jim Montgomery deserves a, a ton of credit. You know, he started the season with no Charlie McAvoy, who's still out. Started the season with Matt Grizzlick, missed the first few games. He's been back for a while now, but he missed him for a few games. Uh, they had Brandon Carlo miss some games on that blue line as well. They didn't have Brad Marchand until last night when he made his return. And what a glorious return it was for Brad Marchand. Two goals in his return, his first game of the year. And at 5-1, uh, really domination over the Detroit Red Wings uh, last night for the uh, Bruins. But some interesting developments coming out of that game. First of all was Jim Montgomery saying that uh, Brad Marchand, we're going to be careful with him early. Uh, he's, I know he's returned one month early than expected. He was supposed to be back at Thanksgiving. It's an incredible job to get back this quickly. Shows you his determination, this guy. Can't keep him down. But they're going to be careful with him, and they're doing a little bit of an NBA load management kind of thing with Brad Marchand where he's not going to play back-to-back -back games uh, here in the early part of his return. So Brad Marchand will not play tonight uh, against Columbus. And late in the game, David Krejci uh, suffered a wrist injury last night against Detroit as well, day-to-day, -day, and he's not going to play uh, for the uh, Bruins tonight as well. So talk about two top six forwards tonight for the uh, Bruins uh, that are going to be uh, out of your lineup. I would assume Pavel Zaka is going to be the candidate to go back up to the top line because that's where he was before Brad Marchand came back. Uh, we'll have to wait uh, and see on that, but certainly there's going to be some line juggling for Montgomery tonight. I've got to imagine Columbus it brings it tonight. They, I mean, no one's going to want to be happy with the loss to Arizona at home. No one should feel good about that. And the one thing about Columbus is people are saying how bad they've been. Well, they're still they're three and five. That's not great. Uh, but you look at since the uh, first uh, three uh, games of the year where they lost the first three: Carolina, Tampa, St. Louis. You know, they haven't lost two in a row since then. They had the loss to Pittsburgh. They bounced back. They beat the Rangers. 5-1 over the weekend. So I don't think they're as bad as they showed against Arizona. Maybe not as good as they showed against the Rangers either. But I think in this spot, they could take advantage of Boston a little. I've got concerns about Boston being at their best tonight. Okay, that was an emotional environment. The crowd was buzzing last night. Brad Marchand's making his return. Uh, he had a big night. Now you go to Columbus and you see, wow, they just lost to Arizona. It's going to be an easy, easy street for the Bruins tonight uh, in this game. I'm not so sure it's going to be that way. Uh, they have no Krejci, no Marshawn on a back-to-back. -back. And the fact that you think about it, the last time we saw the Bruins on a back-to-back, -back, they won it against Florida at home. They went on the road the very next night against Ottawa, and they couldn't have started worse. I think they were down 3 nothing in the blink of an eye uh, in that game, and they ended up losing 7-5. to 
to the Ottawa Senators, the one and only other time they were on the second of back-to-back games. So if you're wondering, does that sound like I'm making a case for Columbus? Indeed I am. I like the Jackets here. Plus 125 in this game as home underdogs. Let's not forget, there's still Lion A who's going to be more comfortable. Second game back now, Goudreau, uh, you know, Roslovic. You've got offensive weapons. I think Boston's defense could be a little bit worn down. Uh, I like Columbus here. I, I like the over a little bit. Yeah, I, I like the side more, but I, I like the over a little bit as well, six and a half. And from a goal-scoring prop standpoint, I'm rolling right back with someone I cashed with in the Arizona game, and that's Kent Johnson. This this kid's really good. All right, he's now scored in multiple games. Again, getting a great price. He's going to play on the second line. He's making an impact. He's getting chances every night for this group, and he is going to be a legit goal scorer, I think, in this league. And I'm I'm seeing him at plus five thirty. At some spots, that's right. Plus five thirty, uh, cool bet. Plus four fifty, uh, bet MGM. Insane price, insane price for Kent Johnson. Are you kidding me? Are you shitting me with the way he's contributing right now uh, offensively for the Blue Jackets? Three goals, two assists. Like I said, he scored in each of the last three games against Pittsburgh, the New York Rangers, and Arizona. That is outstanding bargain bin value. That's an Ian Cameron goal scorer prop special right there, if I've ever seen one. Alex, what do you think here, Bruins Jackets? Yeah, this is a game I like the first period over, but I'm going to wait just a little bit to get a better price adjusted in game. I'm seeing 150 to 160 on one and a half. A couple of shots have two, but I want to get that one and a half, knock that down around maybe a dollar fifteen or cheaper. Uh, I think we're going to see, like I said, Boston's defense kind of wear down a little bit. We know Columbus has been shaky. Also, for, uh, six of their first eight games, they've been a goal in the first 10 minutes. So I think that could lend itself where we see at least uh, a couple of goals here. Maybe even a, a take a shot with both teams to score in the first period as well. Right, yeah, that might. I, I do like that. There's a couple games I like the both teams to score in the first period. Uh, that is definitely uh, Colorado, New Jersey. I, I, I like actually like the first period, both teams to score this one. And there's another game coming up that I like that as well. So, and, and liking the first period over Alex, but we'll wait for a better adjusted line, uh, in game. Uh, Nick, what are you thinking here? Bruins jackets. Yeah, I think you guys touched on all of it. Well, in this one, it's a spot that's really favorable for Columbus. I think backing, uh, the red hot Bruins here is definitely not as strong as it might look to some. And, and for me, it's blue jackets are passed. Good stuff. We move on now to the next game on the uh, slate, Pittsburgh and Vancouver. Penguins minus 170 uh, road favorites, six and a half the total uh, in this game. Although, I, as I say that, uh, I'm seeing some money pouring in right now on Pittsburgh, all the way up to minus 180, minus 190 now with the Penguins in some spots. This is a tough one. This is a tough one because when you have the winless team, they get the first win. I like to ride that team that maybe they get on a run. They get their confidence. They get their feet under them. They got, you know, they finally go to the rink with some positive energy, you know, and finally Vancouver has that. So I, in theory, conceptually, I want to take Vancouver again uh, after getting their first win of the season, but the spot's not great. You know, back to back after being in Seattle late last night, you're coming home, you're facing a rested and quite frankly, a, uh, I think what will be an angry and focused a Pittsburgh Penguins team because of losing uh, back-to-back games against Calgary and Edmonton to start this road trip. It's certainly spot-wise a Pittsburgh spot, no question. So what I think I'm going to end up doing here is I'm probably going to end up passing on the side. And if Vancouver wins tonight, probably ride them for a bit after this game. If Even, even if they lose tonight, I, I don't know if I'll dock Vancouver too much for losing this game tonight, considering how tricky the situation is. And let's be honest, they probably celebrated that win last night more than your average 
one win in an 82 game regular season with just how much they had struggled. Uh, and they just, and, and you knew it wasn't going to be easy. Of course, Seattle had to score to make it 5 4 and just make the Canuck fan just sweat right till the very last second uh, of that game. But the effort was there. Uh, they got everybody stepped up, played a good game. Kuzmenko finally found the back of the net. I do think he's worth looking at from a player prop standpoint. He had had chances, finally found the back of the net last night uh, for Vancouver. Uh, JT Miller was immense. That's why it was gut-wrenching to see him take that blocked shot at the end, hobbled off the ice, had to be helped off the ice. And he's, I would guess he's probably not going to play tonight. And you wonder and you worry that it might be uh, time that he's going to have to miss now moving forward for the uh, Canucks, although right now he's only listed as day-to-day uh, at the moment. But, you know, Connor Garland played a great game. Elias Pettersson played a great game. Ilya Mikheyev, who they brought over from Toronto, who had a nice season last year. They've been waiting for him to fire offensively. And finally, he find, scores a couple of goals last night. So lots of positives, but spot's not great. I want to ride Vancouver a little bit, but I don't know if tonight's the night I want to do it. So I'm going to end up probably passing on this game. Spencer Martin will probably be the goalie tonight for Vancouver on a back-to-back after it was uh, Demko, of course, last night. And it should be Tristan Jari in net for the uh, Penguins. But do keep in mind, too, with Pittsburgh, uh, Gensel and Zucker, for them, very much questionable uh, for this game. They've been missing in action, and obviously they've missed them because you know it hasn't been nearly quite the same team without those two guys, Raquel and Heinen. I've said those two guys have been prop value players for Pittsburgh the last few games with Zucker and uh, Gensel hobbled. Uh, that might be the case here with, again, Gensel and uh, Zucker questionable tonight in this game. Uh, so that's my take there. Uh, Alex, what do you think here, Penguins-Canucks? Yeah, this would be an interesting one to watch, like I said, with Vancouver, you know, Second half back to backs, finally getting on the in the win column. But now taking on a Pittsburgh team, they said they're going to be focused, maybe a little bit angry. And these are two of the best teams as far as first period overs go. We've seen all eight cash uh, with Vancouver. I think Pittsburgh only had one game that's gone under uh, or pushed on a number. So we'll go with the first period over at two. Um, seeing plus 120, plus 125 at one shop. So I think that's worth buying on uh, at, at a two price here. I think we can see some good back and forth action early. Yeah, absolutely. I would lean. To, I would lean to the full game over six and a half as well, because Vancouver certainly, even defensively last night, even though they got the victory, you know, let's hang on for dear life. Still gave up four goals, uh, even though you won that uh, hockey game. And actually, both teams have trended over. Pittsburgh even has uh, really trended over the total this year. Uh, although Sullivan did have some stark remarks after the Calgary and the Edmonton game, saying we do have to tighten things up. We do have to play better. Uh, in our own end. Let's see if they heed those words tonight uh, in Van City. Nick, what do you think here? Penguins, Canucks. I love the Penguins in this spot. I respect, you know, the narrative of Vancouver going to get it going. I think they will as well. But this just sets up as such a bad spot. They're playing a way better Penguins team, especially with um, Besser, possibly Miller. Demko might not start. Quinn Hughes is still out. Their back end is just so thin. I really like the Penguins to bounce back and take advantage of this outing. And that's coming from someone who loves Boudreaux, loves the the Canucks. But I just think when you really just look at it from a personnel side, I was shocked this game was up at minus 155 last night. I got on that immediately. I'm not surprised to see the lines moving heavily because I think when you piece it together, I don't see how it's not like minus 210. Like this is, this is a great spot for a, a better Penguins team, I think, to just take advantage I want to see the Canucks succeed. I respect like they're not as bad as their record right now. I just don't think this is this isn't the spot. I don't think for them to find a way to hang around with just simply a better team. 
I think after the weekend, next week, maybe the Canucks is a great time to, you know, good time to get back in on them. And I think me and you are seeing it eye to eye there. I just think this contest, it's going to be hard for them to hang around. Yeah, exactly. Because Pittsburgh is, uh, Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's interested tonight. Pittsburgh, to me, it sounds like the, all the quotes were stemming from Sullivan players on this team are, they're going to they're gonna be dialed in tonight after dropping the first two games of this Canadian, West Canadian road trip. So we'll see if they can uh, bounce back tonight. All right, Winnipeg Jets and the Arizona Coyotes. As Arizona opens the dump, uh, oh, sorry, Mullet Arena, I mean. Uh, we've got the uh, Jets <laughs> and the uh, Coyotes here. Uh, Winnipeg minus 150 road favorites, uh, six and a half the total uh, in this one. Uh, obviously, it's the home opener for Arizona in that little rinky-dink barn they're playing on in uh, on the Arizona State campus in Tempe. Uh, I will say this about the environment. I mean, they're they're already bitching about the dressing rooms. Nobody's satisfied. Nobody's happy with apparently the uh, state of the dressing rooms, especially the Coyotes, who are going to have to reside in those dressing rooms every home game this year. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I will say this about the crowd environment. As much as I've ripped on this whole situation, I think it's embarrassing for the league. It's come to this kind of situation for Arizona. The people that are going to show up to support the Coyotes in this game, uh, in that little 5,000-capacity building, those are going to be the hardcore fans, all right? The hardcore, if they, if they have any at all, it's going to be those fans that are going to show up for these games. So it actually, and especially tonight, that first home game, it could be a little bit of a boost here uh, for the Coyotes. Normally, first game back home after a spot, uh, after a road trip spot, I'm, I'm not anxious to back them. But this is just as dubious, if not more so, a spot for Winnipeg, if you think about it. I mean, they're coming off the big comeback win against L.A. that really they got off the back of Connor Hellebuck, who was absolutely brilliant in that game. I mean, incredible. L.A. actually carried the play uh, against Winnipeg, but he was not even close to the better goalie than Jonathan Quick, who had a really rough night fighting the puck all night for the uh, L.A. Kings. And it seems like everything the Jets shot toward the L.A. net went in. And then every all the tons of chances and rubber they fired at Hellebuck, and he was just a brick wall. Uh, back there and that was the difference in the end so the Jets gutted through a game and a victory against the Kings that maybe they didn't deserve but they got it uh, anyway and now they're on a second of back-to-back games and look who we might I don't it hasn't been confirmed yet so I don't want to jump the gun uh, but you would think here second night of back-to-back games here for the uh, Winnipeg Jets and the workload that Hallibuck faced last night we're going to see our old friend one of my favorites I my I light up like a Christmas tree in October when I see this guy's name about to start our old friend, Big Civ Dave, uh, Dave Riddick here uh, for the uh, Winnipeg Jets. And uh, we know it wasn't good for him uh, in his one and only previous start against Vegas this year. What do you give up, four goals in the first period? That's Big yeah. Civ Dave for you. Uh, that is definitely Big Civ indeed. Uh, and uh, I, certainly I would anticipate him being in net tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. Karel Vamelka currently uh, projected, not confirmed, but projected to be the starting goalie here for uh, the Coyotes looks like injury wise for them. Schmaltz still out. Jacob Chikrin, of course, on IR. Uh, still Ehlers and uh, out for the Jets. Logan Stanley day to day on the blue line. Uh, injury related for the uh, Winnipeg Jets as well. So, look, I, 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 this is probably one spot where if you're going to bet Arizona all year, this this could be it. I mean, you, you do want to. This team probably does have some emphasis on a good performance. I agree with that. Pull buddies, Nerfic, Dylan Gunther. Here's another one of those young kids like a Wyatt Johnston with Dallas, like a Kent Johnson with Columbus. These young kids that are straight up from the uh, junior ranks, and they are ready to make an impact. And I think he could. I think he actually could end up being one of the 
more surprise players and performers offensively for the uh, Arizona Coyotes. He's going to get power play time. He's got two goals now, goals in back-to-back games for the uh, Arizona Coyotes. You know, it's not the uh, 80s or 90s anymore where the 19-year-olds can't step onto an NHL team and not be able to play, not be able to produce offensively right away. We're seeing up and down the league countless examples of players that are ready to produce immediately. And Dylan Gunther could be one of those guys for Arizona. So I love the prop there on Dylan Gunther reading my mail. Po buddy's nerfect. Uh, you're absolutely right. I like that one for them. Uh, I would look at maybe an Appleton for uh, Winnipeg because they're, he's playing on the top line, but I like the Dylan Gunther look, no question about that. Plus 400 to score a goal tonight in some spots as well for a guy that scored in consecutive games. And for, as far as side and total goes, I like the over six and a half a little bit, but I like even more than that. Zoning in on the Arizona team total. Uh, Arizona team total over three at minus 110 at BetMGM. And what I love about that book is they give you the team totals in half goal increments. Yep. You know, you can bet two and a half, three, three and a half, four, four and a half. You're not just stuck with two and a half three and a half, four and a half. And, you know, if it's three and a half at a plus price, but you want the security of three, which I do in this game, I can take it. So there you go. Arizona team total over three minus 110. Uh, that's what I'm going to go with. That's the uh, strongest stance I have, biggest bet I have on this Jets-Coyotes game. Alex, what do you think here? Winnipeg, Arizona. Yeah, I can see Dylan Gunther having a big night too because I'm sure he'll feel right at home playing on a college campus. Uh, 19-year-old yes. kid <laughs> hanging out at Arizona State University. Yeah. is no better place to be in the world. But for some of these older guys, it might be a little hard to uh, have to kind of go back in the day and basically get dressed in what's a hallway area. I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. If, if anybody's seen on the photos on Twitter, the Jets locker room is basically just uh, a bunch of tents you'd see put up for a convention. And they say it's temporary. They'll be you know, fully built by the time the Arizona comes back from their 16-game uh, road stand that's going to happen after this four-game homestand. So my point is this is an absolute clusterfuck of a situation for the Coyotes, but they can make the best of it, right? Like, all right, you got 5,000 fans. There are still tickets available. And from what I'm seeing, the resale value is about 100 200 bucks. So they could fill the place up before puck drop. Uh, it's their new building. And, you know, like I said, it's going to be the hardcore fans there. They're catching a Winnipeg team on the second night of a back-to-back, and they could be facing David Riddick, who, like you said, Ian, you know, we like to, to fade him early and often in stars. He is just not uh, anywhere near the form he was during his days in Calgary as a backup, even early in his uh, Nashville tenure. He was halfway decent. He seems to decline more and more as he goes along. I love this first period over. It's two plus $1.10. I got it at plus $1.15 earlier this morning. Uh, I think they're going to be jazzed up. This atmosphere is going to be a little bit different, and I think that's going to be the one thing that could help Arizona in certain spots. Because all these teams, right, we're used to playing 15,000, 20,000 screaming fans. Now you're going into what feels like literally a college you know, atmosphere, an old junior atmosphere. Uh, I've heard that the Coyotes are going to always mark off about 200 tickets for ASU students to go for just $25, and they're also going to have a drum line as well. So they're really kind of you know buying into this whole hybrid college pro theme. Maybe that can disrupt some teams on, on certain spots, and, and that's the only time we'll get value to bet with Arizona. I don't want the side. I want that first period over. I think we see goals going back and forth, especially with Riddick and that, and Vimelka has been a bit spotty already as well. So first period over two plus 115 is my bet here. Yeah, and of course, this big night, Winnipeg Jets, Arizona Coyotes. Got to go to ESPN Plus uh, to see the hockey game. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, Unbelievable. ESPN, yeah, ESPN Plus. This is one of those games where they should have left, you're right, the, the regional carriers 
Yeah. You know, you shouldn't do. You shouldn't be ESPN. You can put it on ESPN Plus for the entire country. That's fine, uh, or the entire population, as long as you get, have access to it. But you should have maintained the local broadcast as well for the Arizona people on Bally, Arizona, with uh, Mike uh, Matt uh, Matt McDonald. I think his name is Matt McConnell. I should say, and uh, Tyson uh, Nash uh, kept the uh, Arizona broadcast team available to it. So, and by the way. Um, over under uh, number uh, over under the total of mean tweets tonight, probably at Leah Hextall is going to be between the uh, benches reporting for the uh, ESPN plus broadcast. Cause you know, you're going to see it. It's like a firestorm on Twitter. Every time she's popping up, either doing play by play or uh, reporting. I don't understand the hatred for her doing uh, all like the sideline reporting, the, the between the glass reporting. She That's going to be her role tonight. Yeah. Right. That was and a she, good adjustment. Yeah. She does a great job with that. She's just terrible at play by play. You know, yeah. there's a huge difference. Not a lot of people are good at play-by-play. -play. Like, you know, it's not just a slight on her because she's a woman. It's No, it's just very few. If you, you know, I know Ian's got a whole list uh, of this coming out soon. But I know personally for me, most of the play-by-play -play guys in the NHL aren't that good. So <laughs> it's not just a knock on, on targeting her. It's just she's just a group of a collective of people who aren't good at that job. But, but between the, the benches and doing the interviews uh, and doing intermission, she's fantastic at that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's uh, there's some people that, you know, people criticize me for saying I, I don't think Beth Mowens is that bad uh, from a play by play standpoint. So it is what it is. Everybody's got their own uh, opinion. But I don't know. It just seems like it's at, at the beginning. I understand it. It was rough listening to Leah do the play by play. But now it's got it's like every game. Now they're hammering away and Leah Hextall. It's like, all right, come on, let's pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, let, let her do it. Let, let her do the job there. Uh, it's, 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 it's an old hat now. Just, she, just, uh, she just doesn't have the feel of the game. She can't capture yeah. the spirit of the game when calling it. it it's yeah. just, it, there's a, there's a massive drop off there. Just like the, what was it, the, the incident last year? Was it, I think it was Detroit, Minnesota, but I know Detroit against somebody and we almost saw a full line brawl and she's freaking out as if she's never seen one of these happen in her. Entire that was life. rough. That, that was, was rough. really rough. Yeah. Like there was, there was just some certain spots where it's just like, the, the yeah. adjustment gap is, is massive. And I don't know if it's just, you know, her natural response of watching the game kind of kicking into, you know, it, it, not, not to say that she's being unprofessional about it, but it's just like she has to kind of temper her, her you know, you, I mean, and anybody who has who had that job, you have to temper your natural response reaction and just call yeah. the action. And she doesn't really do that that well. I know what you mean. I, I remember that night. She sounded like someone was getting assassinated on the ice. I know it was, uh, she was, I think, uh, yeah, it was just a little, it's okay. Everything, everyone will be all right. Uh, what do you think here, Nick? Winnipeg Jets, Arizona Coyotes. I think we're, we're seeing it from a lot of the same angles. I think it could be a bit of a higher scoring game, obviously with British coming in, maybe, you know, we don't know exactly what to expect out of that arena. I lean Arizona as a side as well. You touched on one of my favorite prop bets from the game. I like Dylan Gunther as well. He's got a crazy shot. And, you know, if they can get control, play at a better rate today, I mean, they're going to be more likely than most nights to score three or four goals. More, you know, they're not going to do that often, but it definitely could be tonight. And then another guy I love, you touched on Appleton. He's up on that top line. I've been playing him all week. Uh, I think Kyle Connor tonight, though, is a great spot if you can get him at what some of the sites had. There's a Huge disparity when I was looking around the markets this morning. Some sites had him way down at minus 130 to score. I wouldn't play it at that number. FanDuel had him at around plus 132 to open. I would definitely play him at that. I think he's going to break through soon. He's playing really, really well. He's obviously one of the best goal scorers in the world. We know that that line with Appleton is still playing really well. He's been collecting points this week. He just hasn't broken through with the goal. 
he hit the inner crossbar on whenever they played at home versus St. Louis. I think it was Monday. I think he's there. The breakthrough's coming. And I think in this spot where the Jets will probably score three goals realistically, I love it. And I just don't see who's going to guard that top unit very well. Like, I don't know what line match Arizona are kind of going to be hoping to play for there, but I think it's just a great spot for Connor. So, yeah, I think he's going to end the goal slump tonight. And he hasn't even, not that this makes it more likely he should score, but I think it's part of the reason we're getting a better price than we should versus Arizona. He scored one goal this year, and it was on an empty net. He hasn't even beaten a goalie. I think for anyone who's watched him the last couple of years, that is like absolutely shocking, especially yeah. when they're when that line's actually controlling play at an effective rate. So it's not like he's just been, you know, we don't just want to say guys are due when they're they're not in the play, their lines aren't, you know, like some guys, sometimes guys are just playing bad. I don't think Connor is playing bad. I think his game looks kind of on par with how it should. The puck just hasn't gone in yet. I think we saw kind of this narrative with Matthews last night and with Timo Meyer. They're some of the game's best goal scorers. Sometimes you can get them at a better price than you should be able to when they're in a bit of a slump. And I think Connor tonight, I love it. I think he's going to score. Yeah, it looks like plus 120, plus 130 is what we're looking at for him in the uh, goal score. I can't fault him for trying uh, because uh, that's what you, you've seen that other than the empty net goal. Three, two, three, three, five shots against St. Louis, three more the other uh, last night against L.A. So, you know, the chances are there. The shots are there. You know, he's firing pucks. And you got to think a guy with that ability to score, I think at least 40, if not approach 50 this year, you know, uh, He's going to find it sooner rather than later. So this could be the right time to buy low here on Kyle Connor for the uh, Winnipeg Jets. We'll see if he can contribute to the scoring tonight in the desert as the Arizona Coyotes have their home opener. All right, great stuff. Great uh, Friday analysis of the NHL card. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us in the chat. Hit the like button. Uh, make sure you do that before we uh, wrap things up. Let's get to best bets to wrap up the show. Uh, Alex, what do you like for uh, best bet? Yeah, the couple of ones I was going between is uh, I'm going to go with the Vegas and Anaheim over six and a half at, at even money. Uh, remember, that's an early start. That's 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, like I said, Nevada Day this has been a high-scoring affair. This is the last four times where they've had this kind of a big ceremony uh, celebrating the state with the Golden Knights. And uh, Anaheim's defense has just been brutal. We know they can chip in offensively. I think it's going to be a good two-way pace here. So uh, give me the over six and a half even money with the Ducks and the Golden Knights is my best bet. There you go. Uh, Anaheim Vegas over six and a half plus 100. Best bet for Alex B. Smith. Nick, a great job. First time on the Ice Guys show. I'll we'll look to have you back later this season. Uh, Nick, what do you think for your first best bet for the Ice Guys show tonight? I'm going to go with the Penguins to win in regulation. Uh, hopefully it's still holding around plus money. I know it was plus money just before the show started. You had said uh, the sites were moving around minus 190. So I would play that down to minus 110, but hopefully plus money is still available. And I think, yeah, that's my favorite bet of the night. It's a great spot for the Penguins. They're a better team. I think they'll take advantage of the Canucks. All right, Pittsburgh in regulation, minus 115. Uh, so it has moved up a little bit uh, right now, but still around that even money price, minus 115, Pittsburgh in regulation, best bet for uh, Nick Martin. Uh, my best bet for this uh, card, uh, I'm going to go with that Arizona team total, uh, over three, minus 110. I like that. Uh, and I'd rather do bet that than trust Arizona to win the hockey game. Uh, I do think they get three goals minimum, very good chance for four plus. Uh, against David Riddick, who, of course, in his one start this year, Vegas puts five goals in the net and wins that game 5-2. So uh, Arizona Coyotes, oh, 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 
Arizona Coyotes over three <laughs> minus one ten with their team total uh, for my best bet here for this Friday NHL card. Uh, that'll wrap things up for this Friday show. Great stuff. Appreciate all of you tuning in. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Uh, download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. We'll have our weekend man, Vito. Renus Vitalin's back with us Saturday, Sunday for the weekend shows, as usual. For Alex B. Smith, for our special guest, Nick Martin, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Friday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Saturday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by National Hockey Now. 